0: The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Today, we are into our third sermon on our sermon series where we are bringing gospel to trauma. We've already received the gift of lament in our first week. In our second week, we received from God the grace of a new perspective. And, and today, God's going to give to us um, a new imagination for those of us who are afraid. And, and to get that new imagination, we're going we're to turn to Psalm 46. You can see that printed right there on page And I'm going to read you that psalm. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth mounts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder why that the psalmist is meditating on a nightmare. I really do. I, I wonder why. It it's an apocalyptic nightmare. In this world, of the psalmist, verses 2 and 3, previously safe places are no longer safe. In this world, even the ground beneath your two feet is giving way. Not even the ground beneath your feet is safe. In this world, there are mountains. And... For long ages, the mountains were impervious and proud. Nothing could shake them. Nothing could knock them down. They were a safe place. But in this world, the mountains are falling. And the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. In the imagination of the psalmist is an apocalyptic Nightmare, and I wonder why. I wonder if it's because the psalmist could remember when the Assyrian troops, hundreds of thousands of them, had pulled up outside the city gates. And he could remember the day. Adam, that's what we're going to call him, He could remember the day, the day that bent his imagination the first time. You see, Adam is an Iraqi war veteran. And he can remember driving down the road. It was a bright and cheery day. A normal day, really. And as he's driving along the road, he sees off in the left-hand corner in his eyesight a red sedan. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the caravan hits a landmine. And his SUV, his Hummer goes flipping through the air. Some of his buddies died. But he made it. He could remember that day. And then one day, years later, in the middle of the United States, in a very safe place, at least that was previously safe for him, he's driving down the road and out of the corner of his eye, he sees a red sedan. And he can't help it. He sees the red sedan, and in that moment, all of the memories come rushing back. And it's almost as if he's back right there in Iraq with that SUV flipped over. His heart rate starts to race and he's got to pull over on the side of the road. His imagination is bent. And he knows why. He's living an apocalyptic nightmare. Now, If you would talk to a psychologist, they would say that Adam has PTSD. It's had a lot of different names over the years, like they used to call it hysteria, and then they called it shell shock. And then somehow a bunch of people got together and they came up with this odd collection of nouns and adjectives that is now called post traumatic stress. Disorder. See. They call it a disorder. Probably because they say that Adam is no longer connected to reality. In fact, he's disconnected from reality with his imagination. He's got a disorderly imagination, you might say. Now... This is where I bristle a little bit. Because if we're going to start slapping labels on things and calling someone's imagination disorderly if it's disconnected from reality, then I think we should start calling more things and more people disorderly. And disordered. For example, I wonder which disorder is worse, if we're going to use that term. I thought about it this way. What about the people who have pre-traumatic naivete disorder? And I'll give you a couple examples. These are people, and you've seen them, maybe you're one of them, where you're driving down the road at 70 miles an hour, right? And you've got your music blasting. And it's heavy traffic, you understand, It's, it's heavy traffic. Your left eye is on the traffic, but your right eye is texting. And now this is a person that thinks, it could never happen to me. I would never get in a traffic accident or cause some horrific fatality in the middle of the Long Island Expressway because I'm the best driver that planet Earth has ever seen. That's a little bit of a disorderly imagination, isn't it? They can't possibly imagine that something could go wrong. Or what about the smoker? What about the smoker? You know, they they start smoking when they're 21. And, and they're smoking like a pack a day, right? And, and they're thinking, I, it would never happen to me. I, I'm never going to be the person that's going to suffer from emphysema. I I'm never going to be the person that gets... Cancer. You you might call it pre-traumatic naivete disorder because they're disconnected from the reality of a fallen world. Almost as if they live in a bubble. You know, the people who live after tragedy, who live post-trauma, do you think they're more connected to reality or less connected to reality? Sometimes I think they're more connected to reality. Look. You know what the veteran can tell you? The veteran can tell you about what it means to have an enemy. Something maybe we don't really understand. The assault victim can tell you just how far lust and control will go. Right? The accident victim can tell you this. That on a beautiful, normal day, when maybe you decided not to buckle your seatbelt, something awful can happen. So I'm not very quick to label things with disorderly imagination. The sons of Korah could tell you this. The sons of Korah who wrote this song. They could tell you that we live in a world where bloodthirsty Assyrians can surround your city and that they will shout to the city walls, pretty soon you will drink your own urine. They could remember the day and they wrote about it in this psalm, Psalm 46. Now I do want to understand what a disorderly or a disordered person might look like from Psalm 46 and I want to put it into a biblical category. You have a disorderly imagination or a disorder if you don't understand everything that the psalmist writes. So if you, if you believe that there, we live in a world where mountains will not fall into the sea, then your imagination is disorderly because one day the mountains will fall into the heart of the sea. The Scriptures tell us that. But this is also true. If you live in a world where there is only danger, if you live in a world where there is only death and decay and no safety at all, then you also have a disorder. Because you have not yet read verse 1, have you? When everything is falling into the heart of the sea, we have a refuge. When even the ground beneath your feet cannot be trusted, we have a refuge. When the red car is going by on the side of the road, we have a refuge. In fact, Psalm 46 makes this a kind of refrain, doesn't it? Repeatedly, this same truth. Look at what it says in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble let's define what a refuge is a refuge is a safe place when you are surrounded by danger a refuge is the only place where you can go and know that when the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea, when when the land cannot be trusted and the ground beneath your feet is falling away, a refuge is the place where you can go and be safe. God is that refuge. God is your strength in trouble and He is ever-present, the psalmist says. Now Jesus said this, If you want to know the Father, you've got to know me. So I want you to think with me about Jesus. When Jesus walked the face of the earth, some people were not even safe in their own bodies because dark spirits inhabited them. And then Jesus got near to them and what happened? The dark spirits fled. When Jesus walked the face of the earth, the disciples almost went through a terrible uh, transportation accident. You know the story I'm talking about? Here's this boat, they're going across the the, the Sea of Galilee, the the wind comes up, The, the waves are coming over the side of the boat, and Jesus stands up in the middle of that transportation accident, and He says to the wind and the waves, be quiet. And they obeyed like an obedient dog. And the disciples said, who is this? And we might say, he is God. Our refuge. and ever-present help in trouble. When Jesus died. When he hung between heaven and earth. For our own forgiveness. The earth shook. And when He rose again, it shook again. It's as almost as if the earth is preaching to us a little mini sermon saying, there is something more firm and more stable than even the ground beneath your feet. What is it? It is the very love and power of Jesus our Savior. Jesus said this. He said, I want to teach you about the Father. And he said, I want you to know about the Father. The Father doesn't need to do a census to know just how many birds are on planet Earth. Not one falls to the ground outside of his knowledge. Jesus taught us about the Father. He said, the Father knows just how many cares are on your head. Which means that not one hair of your head falls to the ground outside of His loving care and protection. We have a great refuge in God. That's what Jesus teaches us in the Scripture. Now, the psalmist makes this conclusion. And this is where we want to get to today. He says this. Therefore, we will not fear. When you see the car on the other side of the highway, your red car, the car that triggers fear in your heart, we will not fear. God is a refuge. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? we will not fear. Because God is with us. Even when you come to that place where the memories come flooding back, where that thing happened to you, we will not fear. Because God is just as present with us now as He was when we needed Him back then. God is a refuge. When you are going through the scariest situation that you have ever come to in your life and I'm talking about the future now what can you do you can remember god is with me therefore we will not fear this is this is what i'm asking you to do that you would Connect your reality, ground yourself in this gospel truth that God has never left us, He has never abandoned us, and in Jesus, He is with us even in the scariest moments. Therefore, we will not fear. It's like, it's like this truth that radiates from the inside out, that starts in your heart, slows down your heart rate, cleanses your imagination, and says, I'm okay. God is my refuge. Two weeks ago, God gave us the gift of lament. One week ago, He gave us the gift of a new perspective. Today, He gives us the gift of a new imagination. So I want you to do this. If you have to, close your eyes, but at least imagine with me now a new scene. Outside, outside, everything is falling. That's what's happening in the psalm. Everything's falling. Mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. Outside, kingdoms are falling. Politicians are falling. Governments are falling. Outside, everything is danger. But inside, this is what happens in Psalm 46. Inside, there is a river. and its waters make the city of glad god the city of god glad children are playing in the river outside everything is falling but inside the people of god are safe the city will not fall because god is in her and god loves her And God is a refuge. Amen.